Hey, welcome to the Talk Family. And tonight we have our first show of what we're going to try to do twice a month called Conversations with Friends with Melodic and myself. And tonight, right off the bat, we're going to go right into a, a very interesting topic that plagues our community. And we have two great guests tonight, Miss Wise and King Atterbury, who most of the audience knows from the Poetry Corner. He's the host of that show. So we have a very um, interesting tonight. We're going to discuss um, mental illness in the Black community. What's up, uh, guest, host, everybody? Hey, what's up? <clears throat> How you doing out there? Everybody good? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start the show off with just asking you guys a, a very basic question, but it may seem um, in depth. And I'll start off with Miss Wise because um, we just met, and I don't want to put her on the spot, but I want to make her feel as comfortable as possible. What is your outlook on mental illness in the Black community? How do you view it? Whatever thoughts you have on it. Well, I feel that um, in our community, I think it's obviously we there are a lot of um, you know mental health in our community, and I think it's getting better in terms of people recognizing it or um, paying attention to it more so than maybe back maybe about ten years ago. So, although I am um, still seeing you know a lot of you know because I used to work as a probation officer, so I've seen cases where you know I had to get my clients help for mental health um i think it's getting better so i think we are on a good a good on a good um a good path to progression in our community i think we're recognizing it more okay king no um <clears throat> i've seen a lot of change myself i mean dealing with like we in this era right now opposed to like in the 80s and the 90s, a lot of change. People are embracing like spirituality, you know, to conjure up different ways to handle their thing. You know, I think one of the basis of having family show love and friends and reaching out to people can help the whole thing at the end of the day. You know, but it's a struggle. You know I mean? It's a struggle, yeah. Melania. Yeah. Unmute your mic. Sorry about that. Mental health in our community, um, I think there, there are two different sides of the spectrum in all honesty, because there are instances where I see that it is getting better, where more people are more, where some people are more self-aware and there are some, you know, resources for them. But then on the other end of the spectrum, um, I see where people don't realize that they have an issue and they feel like they don't have an issue even if they've been diagnosed and um, they don't take their mental health into account. Um, I've seen it where people blame others for you know, their issue or their, their illness, their sickness, um, and that's really sad. Um, I've seen some people who have actually been diagnosed who opt not to take the medication or opt not to seek the therapy because they don't want to they don't want to be labeled per se. So it's really sad. Um I also find that um when it comes to I think it has a lot to do with education also. Well my and my answer to my own question it actually brings me to um some of some of what I got off of WebMD or ten or the ten barriers we're dealing with mental health. I think that um in our community, I believe that over the years, nobody ever wanted to be considered crazy. And when somebody says maybe you need to go see and talk to somebody, because of the trauma that we've been through as as people of color in this country. I think we we've normalized our own trauma. Um, we we begin to be in certain situations, and we may have grew up in certain situations and be like, "That's normal." All my friends dealt with it. We dealt with it, and we basically have been quote unquote successful 
and as long as we didn't do nothing or or we we are well, I'm sane or I'm good or whatever, we never dealt with trauma, pain, healing, so forth and so on. So I'm gonna just list. I'm gonna just read these things off about why, according to WebMD, why most people of color are have apprehension with dealing with mental illness, avoiding the crazy label, mistrust in the system, lack of clinicians of color, that's dealing with the mistrust, teens in therapy, inroads to eradicating the stigma, how to find the, the therapist that's right for you. And those were just some of the things that they detailed and said, um, these are some of the barriers that we face is because the worst thing for a person of color is to be, as we would say, misdiagnosed and somebody be, be um, they, you go sit down and talk to somebody and it could be your mate telling you, oh, I think you need to talk to somebody. I think you need help. You got anger issues. Most of the time, the person may get very defensive because they may not see that they're getting angry. Um, so then it might be a, a, a trust issue because one thing, and it, it even leads into relationships because a lot of times that vulnerability is saying, yo, I need help. I'm weak. Um, I, I need somebody to talk to. That vulnerability, vulnerability leads to the mistrust of if I'm vulnerable to you and I'm honest and open to you, you're going to take that and use it and abuse me. You know, right. so I don't know what you guys thoughts on what I just read or what you guys wanted to add to it. Um, I'd like to add to your list. Um, so uh, the high cost of mental health care. Family shame around mental health. Lack of diversity in health care whiteness as a foundation to mental health care. Um, I find that our community is not studied enough. Um, our, our issues are not understood. Um, difficulty navigating the process is very time consuming. Um, emotional hesitation, feeling um, like you have no place no one understands your cultural customs because uh, let's be honest, our cultural customs are definitely different than the standard in this country. Negative past experiences with the mental health community. Yeah. And, and we see that now I'm going to give you guys a scenario, right? <laughs> I, I said this that, um, and Miss Wise, don't be shy to jump in and just, say what you need to say, even though I can't see you. And I hope that you're driving and you're being safe and all that good stuff. Yes, um, I am. Great. I said to someone a while ago, I said, everybody doesn't need, everybody doesn't have trauma. And I know that a couple of people disagree with me. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying they're right. And um, one of my friends, he said the other day when we were doing a show actually with, with living with trauma. He explained some personal experience. He was saying how we as people of color generationally from generational stuff passed down, we all have trauma in us or have dealt with some trauma. How do you guys feel about that? I think that's absolutely true. Um, and I was actually going to um, jump in and say that I think a lot of you know, one of the things that Nicole mentioned was that it's the family, um, you know, like the family rejection of it. So, you know, a lot of times the older folks, as they say, you know, they, they slept things in the road. They didn't want to speak about certain things. Everything was pushed to the side. So at growing up, feeling like you could talk to someone, sometimes it's just a matter of, wanting to talk it out or, you know, you feel like you said, I'm, I'm not crazy. So even if you don't have the professional that you can sit down and talk to, a lot of the older people felt like you didn't talk about certain things. You just let it go. And that's not how you deal with trauma. You can't just let it go. So 
So I think that is definitely prevalent in our community, especially with the older generation. I think our generation is getting much better about, you know, going and speaking about their issues and trauma. But, you know, obviously we have some ways to go also. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Even even though I had said what I said about um, everybody doesn't have trauma, and he said what he said, when you think about slavery, and I know sometimes we think, you know, slavery was just only 130 years ago, 140 years ago. But the reality of it is that our grandparents' grandparents were slaves. Most of our great our, our grandparents' grandparents were basically coming out of slavery. So it's not like it was... So long ago that, like you said, Miss Wise, with um, hush hush on a lot of things that have happened generationally, um, the 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 how the men were done, how the women were done, and it's like, for lack of better words, we we've we've instead of looking internally and saying, I need help with these issues, I'm blaming a woman for my issues. Or a, a woman could be blaming a man like, yo, we were on that auction block together. We we dealt with the same trauma. Um, I know I have done a couple shows and some women have talked about even some of the stuff that um, Nicole and Miss Wise go through as women dealing with the medical industry. Like, like <clears throat> this is still ramifications from that. The whole... Um, Black pain, uh, black pain is different yeah, than white. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you okay? You ain't in pain. You, you right. good? And and that's a mental bearing. Like even the stigma of strong black woman. Like we, I think a generation ago it may have seemed as a compliment, but now a lot, a lot of women are starting to realize like that's an insult. We, you know, we should yeah. have to be strong. We should, you know, at a certain age, you as a woman, you should you should be vulnerable. You should be emotional. You should be able to not hold that emotion of crying, feeling. You're created with feelings. And it's okay that a woman and a man is created different. There's nothing wrong with that. And so much so that as men, our masculinity is being challenged. And as women, your feminism is being challenged. And it's like, you can't suppress who you are. Well, in all honesty, many women many black women walk around functionally depressed men as well but um you know i i just i feel like we are labeled strong black woman but my my thing is what happens when you know being strong isn't enough you know what i mean like i mean even strong people need help as well and i um, I would also like to point out that sometimes mental illness can be an effect of your environment. Just like serial killers can be bred from environmental, you know, circumstances. Yeah, mm -hmm. trigger pressures. Exactly. Thanks. Can you got something to add? Yeah. <clears throat> what I've noticed is a lot of people walk around camouflaging their emotions, feelings, and whatever they're going, they're going through. And just growing up, too, I've noticed where some of our brothers and sisters were not very supportive of people, i.e. myself. I'm like, when you don't understand what person going through, you like, yo, dude is a nutso. He crazy as hell. You know what I mean? But reflecting back as a grown man now, it's like, yo, we could have been doing things to help. Even when you, you get a label, when you're cool with somebody and you're a friend to that person who they call it a nutso or whatever, they're like, yo, you just as crazy as his ass, yo. You know what I'm saying? How you hanging out with him? He's my friend. You know what I mean? He's my boy. Well, that's my homegirl. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's a guy or a female, you know what I'm saying? That label sticks on them. So, I mean, maybe we didn't understand back then to help others out instead of criticizing them or just name calling and stuff like that. So, I well, mean, he, he, yeah, that's um, a good yeah, point. Right. That's definitely a good point. I definitely understand what you're saying in that aspect. Um, you know, just fear of of being associated with that person, you know, growing up, like you said, as far as like a teenager, that that's, you know, most people are concerned about, you know, their the way they look. Right. Perception is everything. It, it, it's like it's like when you teach a child, right? When you when you teach a child, um, like some people may teach a child 
hate before love when you should teach them love before hate. So a lot of times people are taught the boogeyman and the boogeyman theory is the crazy guy, the guy. And we all grew up around people like that, where we were told that that guy that lived at that house or that lady that lived at that house, um, they into certain things or they're, 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 they're crazy. And it's, it's real unfortunate because even if they didn't have mental health, it kind of mental health issues, it kind of put us in the mindset of when somebody is having a mental health episode, we would kind of like shy away from them or stay away from them and, and not try to encourage or befriend these type of people and not even see the signs in ourselves. And we start um, developing those signs. I know that one of the things that I've seen with a prior experience of being incarcerated, where I would see guys that was doing jail time that did not, shouldn't be in jail. They should have been in treatment somewhere. So when they're, as we say, time's up, when their time was up, they came back to society and, and in the system, unless you have a high profile case or unless you had a case dealing with children, you, you could be civilly committed, but you wasn't going to be civilly committed based off of your medical stuff. You were basically going to be civil committed based off your crime. So say if a guy committed robberies, like, you know, you always hear a lot of guys that go through episodes, they break into stuff. They might be going somewhere to live, break into a house. They go to jail for the burglary. They ain't thinking about giving them the treatment that they may or may, de- they may deserve. So I've seen a lot of times, and then, you know, the, the, um, the med line in, in institutions like jail are long. People would be shocked how many people in, in incarcerated are on some type of mental health medication, um, you know, and as how many people should be, because they may be avoiding they may be avoiding some issues and they just be acting out according to those issues. That's true though. <clears throat> you know what I thought about too. Um, so I think what we don't do in our community is we don't educate exactly what mental health means because I think people think, like you were saying. Um, oh, the crazy guy that lives on the block or the crazy lady with the cats or, you know, and that's crazy. But it's all, mental health is also depression and, you know, anxiety and all these other things that we, you know, experience or we can experience. And so if we don't know exactly what the range of, um, you know, mental health is, how do we, how will people know or how do we know, you know, what we need to seek help for if we don't even understand what it is? So I think it's, it's just educating, you know, the younger generation and even our generation what it is exactly. It's not just being crazy. It's not talking to yourself. It's not, you know, spazzing out. It's not just schizophrenia. It's, it's all these other ranges of, you know, you know, things that can be considered or are considered mental health disorders. Um, and, and, and also mental health disorders is different from mental health issues. It's two different things. So... I think it's just educating our community as well. I mean, in my personal experience, just like I had a family member, he had an accident and he was taking like seizure medication, but also he's kind of offset because of the, due to the accident, but he would drink. And then next thing you know, he's acting like a whole different person. You know, growing up, it was like, yo, he crazy as hell. And when I like, he bugged out, didn't really want to be around, but it was the nicest guy. You know what I mean? When he was on his medicine and not drinking. I mean, so going through that whole thing, and I know a couple of friends too. So you notice the trick things, which are the triggers, will trigger them to maybe cope. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, I have a beer. You know what I'm saying? I'll be more relaxed, but not realizing, yo, you just drank and you took medication. So now you way off on that. But also, I believe family trauma also, you know, not even really family, just trauma in the world. You know, trying to survive, you know, stressing, going through this, going through that, you know, not someone not being there for you where you're going through all these different things, you know, and I believe that um, there's help everywhere. Maybe you don't want to sit on somebody's couch. Maybe you could just be in tow with somebody else that you can speak with that make a difference. You know, be supportive. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, everybody needs support one way or another. I mean, you never really know what somebody's going through unless you have that conversation. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 
and have trust and so they can trust you also loyalty and trust before before i read before i read something in in the before i read some other statistics i want to ask you guys something and i, and I thought about it when miss wise was talking and how you know our our community and our resilience is so amazing um we literally turn um shit into sugar um so to say we know how to make we know how to make something out of, no, out of nothing and we make a joke out of our trauma um i was thinking about the last couple of years like even seeing social media people do stuff and they'll be like oh i'm bipolar and and i always thought it was interesting because people would be like oh i'm bipolar and it was like we were minimizing the mental health issue and you see it and it's like we playing and then you got people that be like Oh, I'm a super introvert. I'm bipolar. You know my bipolar be acting up. Like, I, I think that we I think that we need to really look at it like this is nothing to play with. And it's very serious because you have some people that may have an episode and they may be, as King said, they may have great coping skills with dealing with their episodes. But then you have some that can't cope, that can't deal with it. I mean, they may deal with some bipolar issues. They may have an episode and it's like zero to 60 very quickly like and you'd be like what the heck what 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 just happened so i think as um concerned black people we should really try to minimize the um the playing of the issue and even when we see it, we you know a lot of times we see it in celebrities and we'd be like what the heck be going on like so in not understanding that you know they may be having an episode they just have access to more things than the average person and their episodes are broadcast a little bit different. Nick, you had so, something you wanted to say? I'll meet your mic. There were some other statistics that I wanted to mention also that affect our community because I, I think, again, I want to say that, I mean, this particular show is focusing on mental illness in the black community and um it's it's different for us our cultural customs etc are different so i just want to mention a couple of things and you guys tell me what you think about this and how you feel more than one in five black and african-american people in the united states live in poverty as of 2018. black women are the heads of households in roughly 30 percent of african-american homes compared to 9% of white homes. Binge drinking, smoking cigarettes and marijuana, illicit drug use and prescription pain reliever misuse are frequent among black and African-American adults with mental illness. Historic, historical adversity, which includes slavery, sharecropping and race-based exclusion from health, education, social, and economic resources translates into socioeconomic disparities experienced by Black and African-American people today. Socioeconomic status in turn is linked to mental health. People who are impoverished, homeless, incarcerated, or have substance abuse problems are at a higher risk for poor mental health. Mm. Ms. Wise, you want to talk on that first? That's a lot to process. Um, and honestly, you know, even though you, you feel like you know something, like, okay, definitely a lot of those statistics wasn't necessarily shocking to me, but it kind of took me back. It kind of took me for a loop a little bit emotionally, like, you know, a little sadness. Um, just seeing, you know, and, and Nick, is this, um, a lot of, I'm sorry, is this recent, like as in 2022, or is this, um, the last So there were a lag in the statistics. So they're 2016, tw in 2016 to 2018. Okay. I didn't see any recent updates, but I'm sure that those numbers have increased, especially due to COVID. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, we didn't even speak on, um, you know, what happened to people during COVID because then, you know, I feel like even the younger kids started experiencing, you know, all different types of mental health 
you know, issues and problems during COVID. But yeah, those statistics are really disheartening for me, at least. One of the um, one of the one of one of the uh, the the things that I wanted to address in reference to what um, Nick just said about the um, about those statistics and dealing with poverty and so forth and so on is that it, it goes back to a, a lot of us as, as as black people we for some reason we forgot who we were. And and what I mean is, you know, during the Great Migration, a lot of our families came up north and kind of didn't pay it forward to our heritage and our um, families in the south. And it has allowed us to get a little too comfortable um, to the point where we, we, we feel like we've arrived. Um, many of us, many of our grandparents were first-time homebuyers. So... We see it and it's like, I achieved all this, so we're good now. Like it kind of like we we got out of the money. Some of us got out of the money aspect of um dealing with the, the effects of slavery, so we kind of felt better. And it's like when when the when Nicole brought up the statistics, I thought about so many of us are living in crazy situations, but it's normal. And I can attest to being like that. I can attest to being in a situation and you be like, this is normal. This madness is normal. Like, and a lot of people don't realize, like, um, you know, having a single parent should not be normal. Have living in a single parent home or having just a single parent around. Um, normal is having two parents. Two parents made the job, so it should be two parents around. And it's like We've normalized the dysfunction. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. we don't understand that, you know, the mental health, the mental health is just are symptoms of that dysfunction. And it's yes. like over and over again, we continue to go down the path, not address the issues. Um, as men, and 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 seeing some of the stuff that has been going on lately, like, and I always hear this and I always never really understand. When a lot of black women say they don't feel protected by black men. But then I see all this stuff that goes on through social media and I'll be like, you see all these guys where even so much so forth that where a guy will talk to a young lady and she don't want to talk to him where dudes will beat him up, beat a female up for that. And it's like, we don't even know how to take no. We don't even know how to take rejection. And it's not a, a, a bad rejection. She may just not be into you. And it's like going back to the coping, we don't even know how to cope and, and, and dealing with COVID and running to the resources. And it, it's it's a whole lot of different factors. Um, we do have some stuff where we, um, how do we break this cycle? But when you, when you really sit back and think about those statistics that Nicole just said, it's kind of sad and disheartening. True. You know, one of the things <clears throat> a lot of people say, oh, you don't understand. People don't understand me. You know, I've been through a lot, whether male or female, you know, but it's like everybody's going through something. You know, you just have to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Like I said before, speak to somebody, you know, but I just sit back and observe a, a lot of different people. I mean, in our culture, you know, I just be like, I don't understand. I don't get it. We have the tools out here. You know, the communication is open. But you have to be one of the ones that want to reach out to somebody. You know what I mean? It's like Don the Real someone reach out and touch somebody's hand, you know? But real talk, though, but you have to be that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, we living in a society today which a lot of people don't care. They only, they're selfish. They only care about themselves. You know, we have to, like, each one teach one and just be there and show love to people no matter what. But at the same time, a person have to be open to want to receive that. Absolutely. When you're giving. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I think you made a good point about communication. And I think a lot of people um, do not have the skill to articulate exactly what they're feeling. So I think that has probably been some people's issues. You know, not only are you dealing with your issues in terms of 
how you're feeling your emotions, if you're feeling kind of weird or depressed or whatever, and then trying to articulate that that to someone in a way that they can understand and get empathy and sympathy from that person. Um, and then um, not wanting to, sometimes you just don't want to spill your beans to someone who can't help you. So it's knowing the right people to talk to and then knowing what to say to get them to understand how you're feeling. I definitely agree with that. I also want to touch on another topic, guys. Um, Psychotropic drugs. Um, Because I've spoken to a few people who have actually been diagnosed and have taken the psychotropic drug. And um, many people feel like the drugs make them feel out of sorts. They feel like their feelings... And their emotions are not their own. They feel like they're manufactured because most times the drugs make you feel like you're on one playing level. You don't have any highs. You don't have any lows. You're just flat. And they feel like, you know, I'm not in control of my emotions and I feel like I can't express myself. So they feel very, you know, they feel like it's manufactured. Oh, yeah. Well, I know. I, I know. I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I know a lot of, um, my clients were um, prescribed, you know, Adderall and Seroquel and all these other medications that were meant to kind of calm them down or balance them out, but it had adverse effects. And so whether it be weight gain, whether it be sleep, you know, tiredness or whatever, but it, it kind of made them, you know, kind of discourage them from taking the medication. And so they were constantly taking the medication, coming off the medication, and there's ramifications for coming off the medication, then getting back on the medication. So I definitely understand what you're saying. But I, I guess it has to be, you know, something that they kind of explain to people, like how they, I think that's just educating the person on, you know, what they're taking and what, you know, what, what it's going to do to their system. And I don't think the medical industry has done a great job of doing it. Right. You know what? You know, you're absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry, Melody. I'm sorry. Not (laughs) to mention the fact that a lot of the psychotropic drugs also increase your sexual appetite. So you have a lot of people who are out there who are having mental issues or have diagnosed mental issues. And now they're, you know, like they're very, you know, very sexual. And sometimes, um, as as, uh, Q said, you know, people get into these situations, they get into these relationships and they, they're offend, offended when you recognize that, hey, you have an issue. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's all I was about to say. Um, being a medication technician, a lot of medications is not for everybody though. You know what I mean? Because of the interaction with other drugs. You know, um, I've seen someone on Seroquel, one minute is working, another minute, depending upon whatever trauma or whatever they're using that medication for, it don't even hit the spot sometimes. The person yeah. is still active and unbalanced and everything. But but like I said, I believe that um speaking to someone and also a main factor with the, those medications is the triggers. Whatever that heavy, hard trigger is that make you unbalanced mentally, you know, people have to watch for that. You know, so a lot of times you got to be thoughtful and kindful to people when we're not and understand what they're going through also. You know, and recognize the, the triggers. No. One of the um, one of the relationships <clears throat> that I believe that each individual that's a, a human being that's walking around today, I think the the um, the key relationship that everybody should have is a relationship with their primary care physician, and understanding um certain symptoms, how their body is reacting. I mean, I know people who can't even take a Tylenol. Because they they will feel an imbalance when they take a Tylenol, so it's like when Ms. Wise said that when you you we have to do a better job of educating ourselves when it comes to knowing what this medication is supposed to do. Number one, what are some of the side effects? How would this medication, if we've taken it, and even doctors, I I, I go back to um, certain medications I used to take for my asthma. And I sit back and think about what the doctor used to say to me after and before, I mean, before and then after. And then now being older, 
where basically you start diagnosing yourself when you talk to your primary care physician. And even if he's not your doctor for your psychiatric doctor, if you, if you have a help or you have an issue, your primary care physician, he knows your chart. And this is one of the things, um, even in the day of just C-19 for the last two years, I believe that a lot of people have educated themselves on their own personal health and, and understanding their body and how their body reacts to certain medications and certain things that's going on. And um, we need to be very, very observant of what we, what we put in our system and how our body react to it. I agree with that. So absolutely. 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 So I had some, I had some other interesting statistics. Um, it's kind of wordy. And I don't feel like doing a whole bunch of reading. Um, Summarize. Yeah. It said the percentage of adults who received any mental health treatment varied by age and group. Figure one, it says it says the demographic between 18 and 44. That demographic is 20%. 45 through 64. That demographic is 20.9%. 65 and older, that, demog that demographic was 18 to 7%. Now, took medication, the demographic for, for 18 to 44 was 17.3. 45 to 64 was 17.7. And, you know, our seniors, 65 and older, were the lowest, 15.4%. I mean, I think a lot of people don't take medication and the ones that do unfortunately um <laughs> the pharmaceutical company has made people addicted to medications that shouldn't even be addict addictive medication um some of those medications that are there like um seroquel for example i've seen a lot of people throughout my travels take seroquel and they actually have an addictive uh, ingredient in there now where you see people get addicted to it. I mean, that's just like um, painkillers. You know, um, the pain medication, people feel like they need it. I mean, like I said, being a medication technician, I've seen people, um, they ran out and they like, they start bugging out. Like, I need that, you know what I'm saying? And then that's when that other disorder takes place. You know, like you said, the addiction properties of it. And you know, to tell you the truth, a lot of people don't need certain medications, or especially the dosage that they're taking. So you're kind of getting snowballed. But as you said, the pharmaceutical companies, they're making buku money. You know, two other two other graphs I want to address is I just want to say, why would I give you the cure when I can keep capitalizing off of your pain? And that and that's another thing that um yep. Nicole Nicole brought up is that you know uh <laughs> It's like that balance, you know, um, I always bring up Mother uh, Lady Liberty, no, Mother Justice, and why she's blindfolded, and the scales that she have in her hand. The scales, for those nobody know, is supposed to be even. And the blindfold, is justice is supposed to be blind, but when you're dealing with a society who's based off capitalism, making money, um, we were all taught how to be capitalist from early childhood, and then you realize yeah, we're taught capitalists, but then we're fighting addiction. It's like a double-edged sword in our um, in in our country, and and dealing with that. So, we need to be mindful of it. I do got a couple other statistics. It's interesting, and this is real. Um, for King and myself, this hits home for us because we're going to talk about the disparity and why this disparity is. We do uh, women were more likely than men to receive any medal. Mental health treatment. Women, 14 point, no, excuse me, men, 14.6%. Women, 25.6%. Any, any mental health treatment. Took medication, 11.5% men, 21.2% women. Received counseling and therapy, 7.9% men, 12.1% women. This has always been a myth 
a stigma and a stereotype, but all of it is true. Black men have a fear of the doctors. Um, I believe that the fear comes from everything that Nicole said in reference to the statistics, not trusting the medical industry, knowing what was done to us. And just, it's, it's, it's like an attack on the male's manhood. That if he goes to the doctor, if he's having issues and he goes to the doctor and the doctor tell him something, it has to be some type of uh, gloom. And the doctor may just tell him like, look, other than, other than um, your cholesterol, you in great health. Like he could tell you that, but instead a person, most men you'll hear, Oh, I don't want to know. Oh, I'm good. As long as I feel good, I'm good. Um, And this is why we, um, men of African-American descent, we have so much higher rates with certain things um, because of that fear. So King, I'm going to ask you, you know, as, as a, as a, as a black man and, and being in the field you in, and um, I know how you feel about your health. What's your um, outlook on, in your opinion on the disparities of why so much women are adverse to women have no problem going to get treatment or going to seek help. And we do. I think a lot of times we try to figure things out where they're more vigilant than us just going there, being assessed and everything and handling the situation. We just like, what? Like we kind of standoffish, you know, cause like I said, I think it's the um, way we were brought up, um, how we were raised. And I think as, a, I mean, as a youth, I mean, so we're older now and we just say, you know what? I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to handle this thing. What the doctor know? He telling me this and when I already figured out something else. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's just um, the cockiness in us. And But like I said, women always go. I mean, in my experience, I always say, I got to go to the doctor. I got to go to the doctor. You know, they're going to get this checked out, getting that checked out. So it's kind of makes us seem like, like, yo, you don't care? Like, I mean, I started going back and I'm like, and to my, you know, summary from the doctor, it's just like, whoa, I need to sleep. I need to be a little more vigilant on my health care. You know what I mean? I need to step my game up on being good. You know, so I think it's trial and everything, but it's all about you know, getting it corrected. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, You know, when, when you was talking, I um, so many things go through my head when a person talk. I just be thinking of thoughts, and I just had this 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 very interesting thought. I wanted to ask um Nicole and Miss Wise. Do you guys ever see any apprehension of men in the medical? Like when you guys go to the doctor, not your your your, your female doctor, but if your primary care physician has men patients, um, do you do you ever see men in those um room, waiting rooms as much as when you see women? You know what, now that you mention it, I'm not sure if I do see a lot of men. I'm going to be paying attention now that you <laughs> that you pointed it out, but I don't think so. Not as much I as, see, as I do women. I see men, but not African-American. You know, I posed a question um, in, in, in one of the groups one time. How many people go to the doctor with their mate? And I was surprised at how many people kind of got offended by the question. Because if one one young lady was like, uh, I ain't no kid. He ain't no kid. I don't need to go with him unless it's important. I think that the doctors, every time the doctors, if you, I mean, depending on your schedule, if you could go, I think that um, we should all know, like, you're made, you're, you're even so much some, I know um, with me, with my medical, um, history like we have a group chat with my sisters and brother like we share we share everything like yo going to doctors doctor said this uh i gotta lose weight or the doctor said my cholesterol high and and to me that's that is like second nature i mean i don't know my mother didn't kind of like instill that in us to do that but this is what we do and even so much even if it's not that i know my sisters will share stuff and then I or I'll share stuff with my sister. Me and my brother would share stuff because we are getting older and we have no problem, I believe, with saying that. I think that um 
as, as we get older as people, we start uh, realizing our mortality is is not is what it used to be. Um, we start thinking about death. We start thinking about things that are more important. And 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 as men, I believe that we we need to do a better job um, of really really taking care of this health issue and definitely the mental health issue. And learn well, I, and learn. I still say, I'm sorry. I still yes. say that I feel like you have to recognize that you have a problem. I think that when it comes to black people in general, we have a lot of pride. No one wants to be looked at as the weak link or the weak individual. So even when we don't feel good, most of the time we brush it off and it's like, uh, I'll see how I feel tomorrow. You know what I mean? Um, But in regards to like the mental health issues, I feel like most people don't feel like they have an issue. And Miladek, um, let me tell you something too. Um, well, as well as everybody, I was talk- I was speaking with my son early today, <laughs> because he sent me the um about what we was gonna talk about on the show. So I said, "Yo, son, let me." You know, my son is twenty seven. So I'm like, "Yo, let me ask you a question." <laughs> so I asked him about the topic matter, you know, subject matter, and he was breaking down a whole lot. And I'm like, "Really?" Meaning from like this generation, which which he's in, and I was really shocked at what he was speaking about. A lot of things come from how you was brought up from your parents. Verbal abuse, physical abuse, the one parent not caring, the parent not in your life. Could be grandparents, you know, family members, friends being picked on. He said all of that has a play in everything. And I'm like, it causes depression. Absolutely. And, and I was just really kind of standing like, wow. Like he said, that's why these people I know, I don't deal with certain people, but I'm friends with them. But you, he's very knowledgeable. And he said, I speak to certain friends and talking about this, that, and the other. And I'm like, wow. He said, I don't need no medicine. He said, and I feel like medication you don't need. Just like one of my kids, you know, they was going to put on, uh, what's that medication for like when you, um, mental illness, um, Adderall. That's what it was. Back when she was young, because they said she was showing out and everything like that. And I used to just always speak to her, where as the other were yelling and screaming, I'm like, that's not the answer. And my way was just because the way I was brought up, you know, so I would just speak to her, I mean, even to this day, you know what I mean? She just, and she talks about that, you know, like, like I was never mentally ill. I didn't, I wasn't crazy. And people used to say that to her, oh, you're crazy because she was acting out. But that wasn't the reason she was acting out, you know what I'm saying? So I'm glad we never put her on that anyway. Well. White doctors, and I'm trying to be funny, they were saying, she needs it. No, she don't need it. You know, she just needs people caring and showing love and everything like that, friends. But the point I was making about my son, you know, I just was like, that's deep. I never really realized about a lot of kids who you see acting out. And I know a lot of them have no little issue, but just knowing their parents, I'm like, "Mm, that's why. And that, and believe it or not, that's why in the barriers that it's not enough black clinicians is because of the trust factor. It's because if you may do a standard assessment in school, that assessment doesn't understand us culturally. It just doesn't. It, I mean, these, these standardized testing um, from, from what I've seen from my own personal experience and then like being around educators, um, I did a couple of shows with some educators and, and people dealing with children in the spectrum that culturally these tests may not be for our children because we're coming from different factors from the background, the, the, the poverty. And, and, and it's not to make any feel anybody feel like they need special tests for our kids, but the tests may be like, like, for example, right. And I always bring this story up about testing. I remember when I was in ninth grade, they gave you this test they used to do twice a year. And and the school tells you the test means nothing. So me and one of my friends had a bet, a $25 bet, who could finish the test the fastest. (laughs) So marking off answers, marking off answers, he won. But anyway, later on that day, the school 
later on, a couple weeks later, the school contacted my mother. So my mother said to them, like, what kind of test was it? So my son, my mother said, my son told me that y'all told him the test don't mean nothing. And literally, they said, oh, it do mean something. It's how they get their funding. But they tell the kids it don't mean nothing. So sometimes kids are trick, tricked into certain things that they may not even know are serious. And this, it goes, distrust, and I keep, I got to keep hitting on that barrier because we have to get to a point where we, first of all, we have to trust our own parents. And then from our parents, from our parents to our extended family, and then to the clinicians and then to our teachers to the point where we could tell them how we feel, how we are about certain things. Because you have some people that don't test well. They they can do it if you tell them how to you know do this, do this, do this, do this. Like I'll be honest with you, and I, and, I, and I don't know if anybody on the panel has small kids. The way these kids do math in school now is weird to me. Absolutely. They, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one plus one is always going to be two. It's an absolute. So so it's an absolute. So we know that we grew up on that. But the way the kids is now, they they trying to act like. Do problem solving with math. And math, for those that study language, math was actually one of the first languages that was ever around. So it's just weird. And I don't want to take too much from our discussion is, is to get the kids to be able to trust and, and, and open up and understand that these tests may not be for us and, and be involved. And like King, one of the things that you said that was interesting is you were able to tell them that your daughter didn't need that. Now, because you've seen it. Now, had you not been there, it could have been a different case. And and they stressed on it that she did it, but it wasn't. I mean, my daughter's fine. She's very smart and intelligent. I mean, shocks me a lot of times, but that just goes to show how they push a medication on children that don't really need medication. They just need to be shown a different way. I mean, even adults on that nowadays, you know, I learned just watching a lot of people just to don't judge them. You don't know what they've been through growing up, and you can't just be that way. So I'm always just be cool. And it's amazing that a lot of people like speak to me about something. Oh, God, I'm going through this. I'm like, don't let it get to you. Like, you know, and I always tell people, like, try some meditation. Go out of water. Look at the water waves and everything like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I ain't trying to be a guru, but no, I'm just saying. No, I'm, I'm messing yeah. with you because I know that's, that's, that's I, I, what I'm saying. I understand you what you're saying. What yeah, it, but it's it's relaxing. It's soothing. Nicole, I go by the bay all the time. That, he's saying that, Nicole, because he goes out to this cape. <laughs> and every time he goes out there messing with that water, he comes back and writes another book. So that's why I'm messing with him. <laughs> I, I absolutely understand. I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Okay. Yeah, but it is it is relaxing because like a, a lot of times it can be things heavy at the job and everything, and I don't want to get stressed out and stuff. So my days off, I go over there by the bay and I just be just relaxed and sit. I don't sit on the couch, but I sit on the bench. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's it is relaxing though. It's just you know breathing, just relaxing, and just be like you know what it ain't that serious. Right. Like yo, just be cool. But I tell a lot of other people, I'm like, try going by the water. You know what I mean? Just right. Well, I feel like our cultural barriers also play into why we don't seek help, in all honesty. Um, I think a lot of people are ashamed to admit that, you know, they've been to therapists before or whatever. I think sometimes you do need a, a neutral third party to help you sort things and to help you deal with your emotions. Because in all honesty, let's be honest, culturally in black family, black families, we don't deal with our emotions. You know, it's like when it comes to boys, don't cry. You're a boy, boys don't cry. And when it comes to girls, it's like, it's okay. You know, you, you just need to be, you know, you just need to take it in. It's going to be okay. Stop crying. You know, we're, we're going to figure it out. But, Pushing your emotions and your feelings aside are not that that's not good. I mean, I feel like you should help your children to understand their feelings and not shut you shouldn't shut them up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. So one of the um things I know we wanted to discuss before we close out um is some of the things to stop the the stereotype. 
I had some stuff here in all these notes I took. It said, steeped in the stigma from those historic misconceptions, we've learned to ignore mental illness or call it in other terms like stress and being tired. And this is a quote from Christine M. Crawford, MD, MPH. She was doing her psychiatric rotation in medical school. She's from out of, she's part of, hold on, hold on. I don't need nobody to have to cross-reference me to be like, where you get that from? She's part of the Boston chapter of NWACP. She said the root of mental health stigma among black people can be traced back to slavery. At that time, it was commonly thought that slaves were not sophisticated enough to develop depression, anxiety, and under under other mental health issues from the historic misconceptions we've learned to ignore mental illness or call in terms of stress, like I said. And then it said, then she goes on to say, um, African-Americans develop mental health conditions at a rate equal to anyone else. They also experience trauma as a result of living within society of systematic racism. And then she said, she says something else I wanted to bring up. She, her bullet points was bring awareness, oh, bring awareness to the use of stigmatizing language around mental illness, educate family, friends, and colleagues about the unique challenges of mental illness within the black community, become aware of our own attitudes, beliefs towards the black community to reduce implicit bias and negative assumptions. Very interesting statement there. Um, the purpose of our discussion today was to just um None of us are medical professionals. Um, none of us are in the mental health field. We just wanted um, four different people to be able to have this conversation to just allow people to feel comfortable in their own space. If the least that we could do is to get one person to say that I may be having some issues, Issues, we um, the 1-800-SUICIDE hotline number has been under the uh, bottom of the screen for about 20 minutes now. Um, and, you know, as they always say, if you can't call that number or you're going through whatever you're going through, just feel free enough to talk to somebody. Absolutely. And, 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 and don't feel like what I'm going through is like the, the, the mountain of, of everything. Like what I'm going through, nobody else ever on the face of this earth have ever went through, and mine is so paramount. Um, feel like be be comfortable enough to talk to anyone that you would uh talk like to like to talk to about your issues. Um, you three, uh, any final thoughts, comments, something we might have skipped over? I think we covered all the basics on everything. Also, I want to mention too. For people that's out there, you have going through things, maybe read some books, poetry, or any type of literature that can bring forth a different wave within your own mentality. You know what I mean? A lot of things can help. You know, you just gotta pick and choose one and feel comfortable within yourself. Find an outlet. Yes. Yeah, find an outlet. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think well, this is a um, discussion that you guys have um, presented here tonight. I think it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. And I think um, there's so much more we could have dived into, but I think this is a, was a great start. And I, I do hope that the listeners out there will, um, you know, take advantage of whatever resources that they have, whether it be people, whether it be, you know, um, you know, free free resources out there, centers, whatever it is that they need in order for their mental health to be um, taken care of. With that, you guys, and I'm asking Ms. Wise to, to, to not leave the broadcast. Um, with that, you guys, until the next time, um, this is Conversations with Friends. Uh, if you have any thoughts, comments, please let us know. Um, if you have any subjects you want us to address or you want to be part of the show, just let us know. Um, and we're more than willing because this is about us trying to heal us or us trying to help us get where we all want to get to. 